0: Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. If you like the shows, leave a five-star review and a rating to help other people find us. We still have all of the series-by-series updates, plus the bleacher banter that you love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs' schedule and their obsession with handedness and lineups and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rockett. How's it going, Danny?
1: Uh for a right-handed guy uh facing a right-handed pitcher today, I guess it's going okay. <laughs> no, I I totally agree with you about that handedness thing. Like I even found myself doing it cuz I see Rossi doing it so much when I'm like, you know who they should use and I go through and I have all the handedness stuff. And um yeah, it's it's funny how like people can get obsessed with that kind of thing. O- almost overthinking it, but I'm trying not to overthink here on a Tuesday morning. It's been rainy here in Chicago. And to be honest, it's a little gray, like feels like, feels fall-ish already. It's the
0: worst, actually. Like I, this is, it's too soon for this. It should still be sunny outside. I'm sure somebody is already on Twitter like, oh, it's so great. I love the fall. It's great. And I'm like, it's not the fall. It's August. It's the Crosstown Classic people. And we're still going to treat it like summer. I I think the weather is supposed to clear up eventually. But I I honestly, I mean, this this show is not about me. It is about the Chicago Cubs. So this is the last thing I'll say about it. But I, I hate days like this. Like getting out of bed is the worst. And thank God for coffee.
1: Well, just wait until that coffee's got pumpkin spice in it, because that's what's coming next. It's like, Dude, I think it comes out tomorrow or something. <laughs> Doesn't Dunkin' Donuts bring it out on like July 4th now or something? I don't know.
0: I, I have never <laughs> ordered a pumpkin spice anything. Um, it's not real pumpkin, people. The the only pumpkin drink I have ever ordered, and it was Okay. Was a pumpkin flat white when Starbucks had them and they actually put pumpkin, like real pumpkin in the thing, not like pumpkin spices that remind you of pumpkin. Anyway, that is a rant for okay. another day. This this show is for ranting about the Cubs, although although maybe your other show is truly for ranting about the Cubs. Um, in news that will shock absolutely no one, the Cubs won a series against the Blue Jays, but dropped the game on Sunday because the Cubs are absolutely obsessed with left-handed lineups and getaway day lineups. And I've been doing a little bit of a deep dive on this with any luck, the piece I've been working on. For bleed cubby blue will be out later, Jay, possibly even before the show is out. But they insist on like sitting Mike Talkman against lefties. And I I tweeted about this last night as I was working on it. The man does not have bad stats against left-handed pitchers. They are, depending on what you're looking at, Identical to, or like, two two hundredths of a percentage point worse than yeah, the stats looked, against right-handed
1: pitchers. No, I looked at it too, and there's no reason that you're playing platoon. It, it, I understand why you want Cody Bellinger to play center, but you're not taking such a a like a step back defensively by by not by putting Talkman out there instead. Talkman is having himself a year, and it's like. I think it was on the last show that we were talking about that there's in a successful, any team successful year, there's always a talkman. That, you, you know, you hadn't really heard of before he was journeyman fourth outfielder or like some utility infielder like every Mark team. DeRosa. Yeah, exactly. Somebody like that. Tommy La you know, for that 2016 team, you know, I think could be and and I think Tachman's even more valuable than that because he's played his way onto a situation where he is a starter and because of his lack of splits, he could go out there every day. I understand you've got Patrick wisdom out there who just has lost playing time due to not being good. He leads the team in errors. He has a batting average, like not even close to Mendoza right now when he gets a hold of one, it goes far. I get it. If you like those matchups, fine, but you know, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. It's not your best nine. It's not and he's lineup. he's
0: not he's not a first baseman, and and so we're just going to start with the third game in Toronto because it's the one where the complaint department is open and the complaints are allowed. Jamison Tyon did not have it to be clear. Like if you go look at his pitch mix, he was leaving stuff over the plate, and it was getting hit hard by some very good Toronto hitters. And also, he was not helped by the fact that not one but two. Errors. I They weren't scored as heirs. And there's actually a really great piece in The Athletic uh, about how lots of things that used to get scored as heirs are being scored as hits in 2023. You should absolutely go check it out. It's a fascinating read. There's a little bit of conspiracy theory stuff from players in there where they're like, these are being scored as hits because MLB wants to prove that the new rules are working and be able to say, look, batting average has increased, whatever. And yeah, I, I actually totally believe... I totally buy that. I, I think that the explanation they came up with that is probably more true is that they needed to standardize the system because of gambling, that when people have money riding on the next hit, uh, it's very important that that be a hit in every single park, that this is something that's happening oh, in the NBA God. and NFL too. Honestly, I could care less because I'm not gambling on these things. So I'm like, I just want to see baseball in the game that I know and love. But Patrick Wisdom, whether you call it a hit or an error, misplayed two baseballs that extended innings, creating, I don't know, five or six of the runs that the Blue Jays wound up tagging him with before he ultimately left the game. And frankly, that's the difference between this game being competitive and not competitive. Ross using his A pen rather than his B pen, making decisions that would have potentially allowed the Cubs to win the game. And so I just, I feel like the Patrick Wisdom at first base experience has to end. I don't understand why anybody is starting at first base other than Cody Bellinger, maybe Jamer Candelario. Although I don't really love Candelario no. at first base either. Like, he's not a first baseman. You have multiple third basemen, and Nick Madrigal is not one of them. I am sorry. Well, there's
1: another one that was on the bench is Jamer. And now we don't know, like, maybe his toe hurt or something. Like We don't know certain things, like why a guy might sit. But if it was a getaway day situation, that's just stupid because you have an off day yesterday, you have an off day on Thursday again, and then you play a bunch of games in a row until the end of the month. You know, because the MLB scheduling is honestly made by the dumbest computer that was ever invented by a computer inventor. Like, I don't know who made this thing because it's obviously not a person because if it is a person, they need to be fired. But if this is chat GPT putting this schedule out, I could at least be like, well, they must've not looked over it afterwards and just let the computer do it. But um yeah, the error thing, you know, I, they weren't called errors, but Patrick wisdom also has a lot of errors. He leads the team with 11 errors. So whether or not, like, that was a gambler special that they're not calling certain things errors. And there was a situation, one of those misplays was kind of like he knocked down the ball and then it went to Nico and then uh, Tyone didn't cover. It was just a comedy of errors at that point. But, yeah, all year long, what I just popped into my head is, you know that uh, Justin Steele uh, hit that was turned into an error? That should have been an error in the first place that made his ERA go down? What happens to the guy... What happens to the parlay people that bet that parlay and won it or lost it and then cashed in and like now they change it and they're like, what, the casino gets their money back or something? Like, it's just what. A, uh well, what
0: a, I mean, I, I don't know, because like I said, I don't gamble uh, on these things. I can't imagine mad. anybody gets their money refunded mad. when that something gets repealed or something like that. I mean, that's just not really what happens but in the piece they talk about how players have the ability to go petition like some board to change some of these things where they're like yo that's obviously an error and justin seal was successful in that which is why he had those like five earned runs pulled back from a ball that nico horner plays correctly 99 percent of the time that even his manager said was an error but garrett cole mentioned that he's apparently petitioned this board like 10 or 11 times and never been successful and i, I just had this image of garrett cole going to the airport like, come on man he has to make that play <laughs> Cy Young's over here.
1: Yeah well and I have a, another theory about it because in the app that you can watch all the plays on, you know you can go by the play by play and uh, in the app and online as well, they never show highlights of an error, not never. But if, it's, if that's just what happened, they won't put it. And it's like that is a pivotal play where you want to see, like let's say you couldn't catch the game and you want to just kind of see what happened in the game. Like somebody committing an error is a big deal in a baseball game oftentimes. And they won't show it. I don't know if it's the participation trophy, you know, MLB being like, hey, the guys, they don't want their bad plays out there. And it's like I get that, that they wouldn't want that but the fans want to see it. We want to see the error because it was a pivotal play in the game. Um, so I, I can't prove it, but they used to show them and they don't anymore. That's all I'm saying. And so somebody probably made a stink. Me like, eh, my, my error went viral and now I'm getting canceled online. It's like, well then log off dummy. Cause that's what we do is, you know, come down on you for a boat headed play that we could never make.
0: I mean, <laughs> play better is what I'm trying to say. And I agree with you. Like the story of the game is sometimes told in home runs and strikeouts, and it's sometimes told in mistakes. And that's what people should want to see is the story of the actual game that happened, not the game that they wish they could have put forward. Anyway, two of these games were kind of awesome. I thought the Cubs looked really good against this Blue Jays team. And frankly, Danny, I'm curious what you thought that this is another team that is probably headed to the playoffs, just like the Atlanta Braves and the Cubs took care of business. They won two out of three. That is exactly what you want them to do. I was impressed. I was real impressed with Javier Assad.
1: Yeah. And that's the main one from that first game. Cubs, the six to two win. Assad goes seven only gives up four hits, uh, one walk, only two strikeouts. So like they were, they were uh, just not squaring him up. And it was um, a lot of, you know, soft contact outs. And that's kind of what you need about Assad is, is, you know, but he's saw it in the world baseball classic that he ran through the American team pretty well. And um, he, he did it again with this lineup, which isn't too shabby. It's, it's no Braves, but. We beat them too. So you're right. They took care of business in that game. Assad was freaking nails. And then in the other game, um, even though I didn't think Steele was the best he's ever been in the world, um, it he did give up three runs in this game, in that game. But he did have seven strikeouts, which that hasn't really been there for him. But, um, it, you know, to eke out that victory, the five to four in the close game, those were the games we were losing earlier in the year. That's when right. When you had your Brad Boxburgers and your, you know, Fulmer as closer and stuff. And Alzali is another one that is nails, you know. And um, I just wish he was closer earlier in the year. You know, they should have, that should have been his job. Assad should have been in the rotation this whole time. And Alzali should have been in uh, your elite bullpen arm at the end. Like we already knew that he was. He had that stuff. So,
0: let's talk about both of those guys. Uh, let's start with Adbert. Uh, I am digging Adbert as the closer. He has serious closer vibes. Like you know how closers always seem to have that hyper intense mojo thing going on. They're like amped up and they're celebrating stuff and, and they make mistakes. It's not like closers put guys on, they give up hits or walks or whatever, but it just doesn't bother them. Like they just are, they're up they're above it almost. Right. Alzelai has that. vibe, And it has been. Years. I mean, I want to say at least since Wade Davis, although I remember some angst with Wade Davis too, at least since Wade Davis that I felt this good with a Cubs closer coming in in a situation. Like David Robertson, great pitcher, was a little adventurous at times and you always were kind of like, I don't know, man, he's like in his late 30s and this could this could blow up at any moment. Alzalai looks like a guy who could close for the Chicago Cubs for the next 4 or 5 years and he might have really just found his groove. He could be a 30 save guy for this team. He could be a 30 save guy who makes it to the postseason and i want adbert to have the ball in a ninth inning with a one run two run lead for the chicago cubs in october i think he will absolutely shut the door on that thing
1: yeah it's been it's been great his stuff's been electric he the moments have not been too big for him he he does the uh appropriate celebration at the end that looks makes it look like he's in mlb the show i always wonder that is are the guys acting like mlb the show Or is MLB the show showing what the guys do? And now is it like some like self, you know, perpetuating rating? It's like, I have to pump my fist like this because it looks cool on the show. And the show's like, oh, let me get the Adbert fist pump right. And so Adbert sees his fist pump on the show and changes it slightly. So it looks even cooler in the next year's the show. And, you know, and I don't know if it's got to be some sort of uh, conversation. there, some sort of dance that's being done between the video game makers and, advert Alts. I just always think of that because he does it perfectly. His little, you know, fist pump, and he's he's got it, and it's like it's almost
0: it's almost t-shirtable
1: at this oh, point. Oh, it's t-shirtable. Yeah,
0: it's it, it, there should be a shirt, Joe, if you're mm-hmm. listening. Obvious shirts. Let's get on this advert alkali
1: like for, fist pump.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, shirt. I, I I'd be here for that shirt. I don't know how much these two things influence each other. I'm sure it's a positive feedback loop of some type where like. Adbert is watching MLB The Show and MLB The Show is watching Adbert. I mean, one of my favorite things about Adbert and part of how I know he is just not bothered by the pressure of this role at all is he's out there after the game on Twitter, looking up his mentions, retweeting Pitching Ninja gifts of himself. And I, like, I don't know, man, like <laughs> something about that feels amazing to me like he's just like yeah I want to celebrate my win like I watch celebrate Adbert's win I'm on Twitter after the game looking up Adbert and Adbert's doing the same thing because Adbert is truly a fan
1: it's it's like free Adbert time too because I think uh, the closer role suits him I mean they came up as a starter and remember in his opening game when he tipped his hat
0: so good it was one of my favorite things that has ever happened at Wrigley Field he got so much so much crap about that from the rest of the guys but it was Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras are out there like slow clapping him.
1: Yeah, but it was all good natured ribbing. And so and he took his lumps and has been fun the entire time. Like, and here's a guy that, you know, was a starter, battled some injuries, um, came back and has found a new role for himself on the team that needed this role filled. So we've been looking for this to happen. We've been looking for it to happen from a starter. It didn't happen from Alzelay. It didn't happen from Braylon Marquez or somebody that we were waiting for. It's certainly not happening from like Wisneski right now or Killian. And these get nobody's stepping up. But do you know who is? Adbert Alzelay. Now, the problem is it took five years to get there. I mean, he's been around since 2019. So now we're here. And But, hey, better late than never. He's now 28 years old. He's, you know, the – if you think back to when you were 28, you know, those are kind of like your most confident years, you know, like th- you've got, you know, enough as an adult to be sort of on top of your game, but you have a lot of youthful energy still to spend. And like 27, 28, like that's when you're like riding as pretty much as high as you ever will. You don't know everything you you need to know in life yet, but you, you know a lot. And you can go, and I think that's where Advert is. Like he's got enough of knowledge of the league, um, he and he knows his role is very. It's been now set. I wish it was set earlier, but man, I I love Advert, and I agree. I would even go further. Forty saves for Advert at some point, saves leader. You know, um, I think we could see a situation where he could have an ERA in the sub twos.
0: You heard it here first. Danny Danny's calling advert as a closer in the all-star game in 2025 people 2024 Uh, I'm here for it why why not let's do it um Javier Assad I agree with you he should have been in the rotation earlier he did have a multi-inning blow up earlier in the season but frankly that wasn't really his fault David Ross left him in like an inning too long he had thrown like Three perfect innings, and I it was against the Dodgers or something too. Like it was against a really good team, and Ross is just like, "Keep going, keep going!" And it's like, "No, dude, we can all see that he should not keep going." And four and two thirds innings became an absolute disaster for young Mister Assad. Lately, he's been great. He really appears to be excellent in this starter role. And I thought it was interesting. You know, I do um, quite a bit of fantasy baseball stuff. I play in a lot of leagues and talk to people about what, what's going on there. Everybody thought Wozneski had that role locked locked up. I mean, Wozneski was one of the people that was getting picked up in a lot of these high powered fantasy leagues the last couple of weeks. Cause they thought, yep, that's the guy who's going to get the innings when Drew Smiley comes back. And meanwhile, I'm like Javier Assad <laughs> and Javier Assad is that dude. Uh, Drew Smiley moves to the bullpen. So there's finally a lefty in the bullpen. People now we know why they didn't bother to get one at the trade deadline. They knew Drew Smiley was going to go there eventually. Not sure what it looks like for Smiley, honestly, long-term. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to harness what usually happens when starters go to the bullpen and they can throw harder because he's already thrown so many innings this season. But Javier Assad looks like a man on a mission, and he absolutely looks, looks like he can be your number five starter as the Cubs head into this more intense – well, intense in terms of the number of games. We're going to talk about the Cubs' schedule in a bit because, frankly, the opponent part of it, I'm worried they might actually play down too, but the number of games is going to be more intense.
1: Yeah. And Assad, I think he's up for the task. I mean, go, he went seven innings. That is his longest start of the year. And he was super efficient. He went uh, 90 pitches in that game on Friday, just great stuff. And then, it, you know, really to start the year out, it, he was pitching out of the, the pen. Uh, well, actually he had one start, like you said, against the Dodgers and, um, he he wasn't great in, in April, but since May, May fourth was his first game in May. He's got a 219 earned run average, uh, 53 innings pitched, not only 37 strikeouts and 22 walks, which is a little high for that. If you know, but um, thus the FIP is more like 409. So you might be looking for a little regression with Javier Aside, but we're talking about a fifth starter as well. So I thought at the beginning of the year that your smile, even Smiley was in this kind of world for me. Your smile, your back end of your rotation between all those guys I just mentioned, Killian was uh Smiley, whoever Smiley, um uh Assad, all those guys were gonna be like piggyback specials all year long one two times through the order don't try for a third lengthen the bullpen will you know we have less bullpen arms but more long relievers that we're gonna piece together at the end of uh the game and we'll use off days to our advantage for that sort of thing and that sort of world of things that's not what they did they sent smiley out there like he was capable of seven innings they sent um they they sent their entire back end of their bullpen out or or their starting rotation out there that way, and it was a mistake I think because Smiley eventually ran into his trouble. He was throwing his curveball, throwing his curveball, throwing his curveball, and they eventually realized they didn't either either have to swing at it because it wasn't a strike or, uh, uh, you know, they just started squaring it up. He had to come in there with a fastball. The command hasn't been there, Um, you know, and and it fell apart. So he got moved to the, to the pen. Like, I'm not convinced Javier Assad is like the man to lead us to the promised land, but can he throw some freaking quality innings? He just proved he could.
0: Yes, I think that's right. I mean, I, nobody wants Javier Assad starting a, you know, win or go home playoff game and also. You're, you need someone to get those innings through September to get you to a playoff game. And I think Javier Assad can be that guy. I think that he's showing, showing that he can be that guy. And the real question is what is going to happen with the rest of the Cubs pitchers? And if they are going to be able to put their best feet forward uh, for the rest of the season, we'll talk about that when we get to probable pitchers for the Crosstown series after the break. But first we're going to do the smallest amount of unpleasant news. Then we're going to do a quick commercial break. So, uh, warning, if you are not up for hearing about awfulness in major league baseball, and I can't say I don't blame you, uh, just skip to after the commercial and you don't have to listen to it. Uh, I understand that it's been a rough week and you may not want to listen to that today. but come back after the commercial. Cause we've got all your crosstown preview after that. The Wander Franco news is awful. Um, And I think that it's important to highlight just two things. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Danny, say whatever you need to say, and then we'll go to commercial break. I, one, want to stress that it's really early in this story to know what is happening. And there's translation stuff going on, like literal translation from Spanish to English, in addition to people making snap judgments. Um, The... I think it is prudent in this situation to not just go on what you're seeing on social media and to give the investigative process some time to work through its whole thing. They have to deal with two different countries here, two different legal systems, uh, people who are speaking different languages where frankly, if you're using Google translate to translate some of these social media things, my Spanish isn't perfect, but I'm telling you you are missing some nuance and getting some things wrong. So like I, just you know, slow your hot take on Twitter um, which leads to uh, just two tiny requests and I, I admit that like I mean I don't know control the internets and I'm, I shouldn't and nobody should but man, the jokes are the jokes are bad <laughs> like I, I understand why people are making them the race PR person is having a hell of a bad week, um, particularly given the giveaways that they had on the day that the news broke and all of that other stuff. I mean, I can't even imagine what a terrible job that is right now and also like these are real human beings like this is a this is a child like this is a this is a teenage kid so your jokes are not all that funny <laughs> and god forbid if you have one of the original social media posts or something stop sharing it that's a that's a person that's a person who is a minor like don't share pictures that's gross and let it play yep. out i last night hector gomez who if you don't follow him On Twitter, he's a great reporter out of the Dominican Republic, does an awesome job translating actual Spanish sources for those of us who have language barriers. So, Hector, like, follow Hector's stuff. Don't follow whatever your random friend who's using Google Translate has. But, you know, he mentioned that there's an investigation ongoing in the Dominican Republic that the Attorney General is following up on a complaint from another minor in the DR against Wander Franco. Like, there's a lot going on here. So, let it let the information gathering take place we're still early
1: yeah and i'll only add to that is that you know you mentioned that this is taking place in two different countries because the crimes were committed in the dominican republic so if he's going to face any actual legal uh trouble it's going to be there and to what extent things are different in the Dominican Republic. We're all going to find that out. Um, but according to some people from the Dominican Republic that I follow on Twitter, like Stan at Crusat, who's, uh, is Dominican. He's been pleading with people to understand how different things can be. And I'm not a culture rel- cultural relativist. I think that, you know, some things are just right or wrong, but, You know, there are differences in the way something like this is treated, and it's going to shock the hell out of some people. And now, if that makes changes happen in the Dominican Republic, Maybe that's good that this is a high profile case and maybe things get changed down there and some people start getting protected that were not protected before. Because having visited the Dominican Republic before and was there for nearly a month hanging out in an apartment and seeing what goes on down there in in the tourist place, it would shock many Americans uh, what you will see from that standpoint. Just saying what I saw with my very own eyes. So whether these things will change things down there, I don't know. But there's a lot of things that go on. Dominican Republic is a very poor country. And most of the money that comes in there comes from either cocaine or baseball. When I went on the tour, I went around with this guy, Coco Loco, and he was pointing at mansions on either side of the road as we went down like this, this one road. And there's mansions everywhere. And he's like pointing at those cocaine. Baseball, cocaine, baseball, like where these matches came from. So just so you know, there's a just a lot more going on that maybe you don't understand. So I really do appreciate you saying that, Sarah. And also like, yeah, don't make jokes about this kind of thing. I mean, it's it's a sad situation because even if she was trying to get money, Or her mom was putting her up to it to get, get, to get money. That's still an abused kid. If that's what the situation, I don't know what happened if they had sex or not. It's really not my business, but like, you know, what is my business is what this does to the game of baseball and the rays are right there. They're now going to flail. There's no way they go anywhere without Juan Franco. They just gave him a huge bag of money and, um, I don't know if you're on restricted list, you don't get paid that money either. I don't think like, well, let me actually ended.
0: Let me talk to that for one second, because there's a really excellent piece in the athletic from brick rolly. Um, and I think Evan Drellick. it came out yesterday. Uh, I retweeted it on my Twitter at BCB underscore Sarah. Everyone should read this piece. Um, and, and the reason is it goes through the terminology of what the restricted list is, what administrative leave is, The steps that happen in MLB's joint domestic violence and child abuse prevention program and how they work. And I'm not going to go into it all on the show, but I will tell you, (laughs) I have some familiarity with this because I had to become an expert on it during the Addison Russell situation when I was writing story after story after story after story. Or bleed Cubby Blue, which frankly, that whole process took years off my life. So my heart bleeds for my friends who write about the Tampa Bay Rays because I know how hard it is to cover a story like this, and I know how much it hurts. And I'm just really sorry that baseball writers I love have to do that at all. It's a really painful process. But the terminology matters, and what happens, and when somebody gets paid, and when somebody doesn't, and all that jazz is is intricate. It is dictated by the collective bargaining agreement because that's what happens when you have a strong union. And in this particular instance, he is not on administrative leave, which means that for all intents and purposes, MLB's procedures that dictate things like when you get paid and when you don't get paid and all that type of stuff have not kicked in yet. He agreed with the Rays jointly, mutually, outside of the bargaining agreement to go on the restricted list during this road trip, which is six games. It's basically one week it gives the Rays and MLB time to start an investigation that may result in him being placed on administrative leave and all of the processes and procedures for Major League Baseball kicking in. Those are not tied to legal outcomes, which is why in the Trevor Bauer situation, for example, he was found not guilty by a court and still had a huge suspension from Major League Baseball. They are two different procedures and Major League Baseball doesn't need a court of law to convict someone in order to determine that they violated the policies that are outlined in the CBA. So anyway, it's a really good piece. Uh, It outlines the terminology and the things that are going to happen next and what they mean very well. My understanding is he's being paid for this week. He's on the restricted list, but he is being paid for this week. It's the agreement that he came to with the Rays and with his agent and his representative. When and if he hits the administrative leave part of this, that might change. Um, that again will be up to Major League Baseball to raise and how everything gets spelled out and like what happens in those circumstances. Frankly, Wander Franco getting paid is the least of my concerns right now. I'm worried about oh, I don't the care. kids he, in the Dominican Republic who are implicated by this story who have none of the pro- protections of a U.S. labor agreement or a collective bargaining agreement or anything of the sort. These are children in, as you said, Danny, a very poor country who, frankly, I I can't even imagine how hard their life is right
1: now. Well, yeah, and all over the Dominican. I mean, it was shocking to me. I mean, if you've ever been there and ever gone off the resort, I did not stay at a resort. I went all around the country and I saw a lot of incredibly disturbing things. And I'm just saying, like, that's the culture that what Wander Franco is coming from and a lot of other major league baseball players like now, now how it is that um, you know, God, the, the support that major League ha- I mean I don't know how you keep listen, baseball is full. Pete Rose is banned for gambling. He should be banned for having sex with children. 15, a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, Roger
0: Clemens. Like, yeah. Look, I, we could go through the list. Like, we don't have. Let's not you do not, that. Let's,
1: name let, after name. Let's
0: not ruin this day with the list. Yeah. But I will say there was a good point. There was a tweet yeah. going around <laughs> yesterday that was like, "Who's the least favorite person to ever play for your favorite team?" And I thought about this for a hot minute because there's a long list of dudes who have behaved real poorly, who have worn a Cubs uniform, and Infield Fly Girl, our friend Allison, has a longer more detailed list than I do and and her list includes just like literally the dudes implicated in violent crime like that's it that's her list Uh, I settled on Milton Bradley because frankly that dude was awful for a ton of reasons and not a very good baseball player and wound up in jail for his um his crimes eventually but I, you could have gone any, there are a lot of candidates. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have, and we have options for the least favorite Cubs. dude. Yeah. It's yeah, no, just Cubs.
1: And yeah, no, then there's, you know, I, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a bad situation overall. And, you know, what I just hate is, you know, man, it's just, when stuff like this happens, I'm a tip of the iceberg person. And I'm like, oh my God, how much of this is really going on? And if they have, if you get, this is the one story we get to know. There's at least 10 others. I guarantee there's 10 others and it's just like, you know, it sucks that MLB has to be the one to crack down because I bet you Dominican Republic does not, I bet you they don't. I, and everybody's (laughs) going to be mad, but like, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready for, to be disappointed yet. Once again, I don't even know that MLB is going to do anything if they don't feel like they've got enough proof that anything really Really happened and I said really the way I said it because
0: yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess and people should prepare themselves to be disappointed by the mess and what comes out of it um but also take care of yourself because for a lot of people this hits really close to home uh whether you or a friend or family member has ever been in a situation where there were some questionable power dynamics and questionable age dynamics and all sorts of things going on I I think that take care of yourself. If you need to walk away, walk away. Um, and I, and know that a lot of us are having a hard time, like people are having a hard time. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I felt like we would be remiss. It's it's something we've talked about on the show before when the Cubs have dealt with it with some of their players. And, um, it seemed important to just highlight a couple of those things, but also, uh, you know, people don't they are real human beings involved here. They're not, they're not the punchline for your jokes. Uh, all right. On that note, we are going to take a bit of a bit of a break for our sponsors. We're going to we're going to try to try to close that unfortunate chapter for today um, by by asking you to buy some things. So, you know, capitalism and greed, because that's that's where we're going next. Uh, first, our sponsors <laughs> on the flip side, we're going the Crosstown Classic at Wrigley Field. You will want to come back for that. We are back. Danny, the Cubs are back. They're playing at Wrigley Field, two games against the White Sox. These are not the White Sox that we saw before. Half of them are gone. Um, We're going to see a bunch of guys that we didn't see before. I believe that Tukey Toussaint is starting for the White Sox tonight. Uh, Probable pitchers for this Cubs-White Sox series. Like I said, it's a quick two-game series on Tuesday and Wednesday. It looks like Toussaint and Kyle Hendricks will be the Tuesday night game. Wednesday night is Mike Clevenger and it is still listed as TBD. And I say that because I have a bunch of like fantasy baseball pitcher prognostication stuff that thinks that game is being started by Javier Assad. Megan Montemoro from the Chicago Tribune announced on the 13th that that game is being started by Marcus Stroman. I am the Cubs have just not really told us much. So it's like, Megan is the person you should probably trust here. So I believe that game will be started by Marcus Stroman, and Assad will get one of the Royals' games. But who knows? Uh, I think that Assad will pitch in one of these next few games that are all listed as TBD. But Toussaint and Hendricks tonight, what do you see in these matchups?
1: Yeah, um, Toussaint. You know, he's been around a little bit. Kind of knows what he's doing. Not having a great year. Uh, they moved him in and out. Uh, he's mostly been a starter, but they had him in the pen for a bit. And now, they, since they traded their entire team, they need starts for so there here comes to and uh you know he hasn't been great he's given up four runs i think in his last two starts so uh you know this is somebody that we should be beating i would say um we did he we faced him a little bit in relief when we played him in uh on the south side and he had a clean inning of reliefs but that doesn't really mean anything when they make him a starter and not a lot. Of, I must have been injured earlier in the year because he didn't start his season till June. So, Tuki Tucson, and then uh, yeah, I mean Kyle. I, I'll say this much: the Sox, they hit him well, and I don't like what I see as far as uh, the matchups here. Um, Tim Anderson, a uh, glass jaw Anderson. He's got he's batting three eighteen versus Kyle. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is batting three oh eight with two home runs. Luis Robert Jr. Uh, four batting four forty four, in with two home runs as well. Trace Thompson has a home run. Like they kind of light Kyle up. So not a great look. And um, who, dude,
0: Glassjaw the- Anderson has not been hitting for power this season. I can't believe. <laughs> I like, can't we- did we talk about that on the show? I don't remember if we talked about it last episode or not, but I have one thing I have to say about that because yeah. I feel like it's important. If you had asked me prior to that fight, what would happen in a fight between Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez, I would have been very certain that Tim Anderson would have been the guy who would have come out on top of that. And I would have been very wrong because it turns out that Jose Ramirez is a bad man. <laughs> like Jose Ramirez is should not be trifled with. And I, I get the impression that Jose Ramirez is the, is the nicest guy, you know, until you have pushed him too far and then it is over. <laughs> he yeah. Yeah, like, and, and Anderson pushed Jose Ramirez too far.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he was, he was not messing around at all. Um, But uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, complete the job there on make, I mean, the white Sox are useless. They just got swept by the freaking brewers. Didn't help their big brother up in uh, Wrigleyville at all. And, um, we should just keep their losing streak going, but being the crosstown classic, we took those other two games. But it was no thanks to Marcus Stroman who got lit up by the White Sox on the south side and he gave up seven runs. Um, we won the game, came back and won it. Um, but yeah, it was not good. And, Mark, I don't, I was going to look up Marcus Stroman's vert. Numbers versus the White Sox really go quick, but who's going for the White Sox that day?
0: Mike Clevenger. Oh, men behaving badly. Oh
1: God, just more idiots.
0: Um, yeah, I mean i I have a lot of faith in the Cubs to do some damage against Tucson and Clevenger for that matter, but you never know. It, like you mentioned, it's the crosstown classic. It's it's one of those situations where, frankly. I worry about this next stretch of schedule for the Chicago Cubs because it looks so good on paper. It looks like they should go like 10 and two over their next 12 games. And that is usually when the Cubs go 500 or worse. That's usually when the Cubs let us down. So here's what the Cubs have coming up for their schedule. They've got two games against the White Sox. They've got three games against the Kansas city Royals who have been one of the, the Kansas city Royals would be the story of the worst team in baseball if the Oakland A's were not pulling a full major league out in Oakland, right? Like the only reason we're not talking about how historically bad the Royals are is because the A's exist. Although I will say the Royals have have been on a little bit of a run since Nelson Velasquez joined them a couple of weeks ago. I miss you, Nellie. I can't wait to see you back at Wrigley. Um, then it is three games against the Detroit Tigers, who are also absolutely terrible, like just not good at all followed by four games against the pirates in Pittsburgh. I mean, by all rights, the Cubs should just take this little stretch of schedule. And if they are truly a playoff team, they they should win like nine or 10 of these games. Yeah. <laughs> they are the Chicago Cubs. So I'm sure they're not going to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's funny. I wonder if people that don't, if like, if you didn't know anything about baseball and you were to hear you talking right now, I'd be like, well, these teams are really bad and we've been really good. So there's, we're obviously going to lose, you know, it's like <laughs> if they would understand that what that thought process is. Cause I have the exact same thought process. They, it all feels like, it feels like a trap month to be honest. It like does. the whole, you know, you saw what happened in New York, the Mets would came, you know, stumbling in stumbling home and we just let them take two or three. And then we beat the blue Jays. So it's like, you know, it, it's baseball going to baseball. I get it. But what it means after the week is a 500 week coming off the road. And that's not good enough for a team that's going to the playoffs. It's just not good enough. You got to be winning more games than you lose and not 500. Like you've got to go four and two. Like it makes all the difference in the world to go four and two, then three and three. You do Absolutely. that all year. And now you're going to the playoffs. If you don't, if you go 500 all year, you're not going like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, you can't, So, yeah, they just got to sweep the White Sox. And everybody's like, oh, you can't sweep – you know, it's it's not a must-win game, Danny. I'm like, no, it kind of is. You're not in the playoffs right now. It's all must-win. You got to approach every single game like you got to go out there and win. So, I don't want to see this Patrick Wisdom at first base crap. I don't want to see – to be honest, Nick Madrigal doesn't start anymore either. Like, he has – he's been fine. Whatever you learn how to play third base, Nikki Five Steps is out there doing his thing, but he's not good enough. He doesn't have an OBP of 350, which is what it has to be to have no power, in my opinion. I agree. So you need you got Candelario; he's in there every day unless his freaking stubbed his toe or something. I don't know, like what, and even if he did stub his toe, any little injury, you put your best nine out there. Um, I'm I'm sick of this getaway day crap. I'm sick of this, like you know, not not playing with urgency because it's fine that there was some sort of um, professional, Hey, we're going to, you know, shoulder the losses and get back out there and be a very professional team. Not too high, not too low. Like I've appreciated that, what that did for me, but it is, it's time. It's time to go or get off the pot. It's like we have a month and a half in the season and you're out of the playoffs right now. Today, you're not in it. So, let's get in there. You should be able to take over the Brewers in this stretch if you are a playoff team. If not, you're just the same old Cubs and I don't want it I don't want anything to do with you. If you if you can't beat these teams, I'm
0: done. I'm out. Okay, I don't think that's true. Danny will still be a Cubs <laughs> fan people. But uh let's talk no, about some of the bats that need to stay hot in order to as Danny said, play your way back into the playoffs cuz the Cubs are half a game out of that right now. Cody Bellinger has been Unbelievable! I had um, I had the opportunity to be on the Giants pregame show with Marty Lurie uh, on Sunday. We were talking about Cody Bellinger, and he asked me a question I've gotten a few times this week, which is, "Is Cody Bellinger the MVP?" And and my answer is, I don't think Cody Bellinger is the MVP because a guy named Ronald Acuna Jr. exists, and he's doing some historic things that we frankly just never seen before in terms of the amount of home runs and stolen bases that he's putting up this season. But Cody Bellinger is absolutely your comeback player of the year. And what he's doing right now is kind of unbelievable. In the last two weeks, he has a WRC plus of 215, leading all of the Cubs. He's hitting 422, 469, 689. Nice. Uh, nice. With three home runs and five stolen bases, he's only striking out 10.2% of the time during that time period. Just behind him, Jamer Candelario, who might be my favorite trade acquisition since Nick Castellanos. And that is like remarkably high praise. Coming from me, WRC Plus of 205. He's slashing 425, 489, 625 with a home run and a stolen base during that time period. Say Suzuki has gotten a little bit of a breather part-time play recently, and, and it's been good for him. He's got a WRC Plus of 183 over the last two weeks, slashing 333, 367, 08 during that time period. Mike Topman who should play... Every single day, Ross, I am begging you. WRC plus of 179, slashing 343, 442, 600 during that time period. Nico Horner has gotten back in the conversation. He's got a WRC plus of 138, slashing 304, 385, 478 over that period. And Dansby Swanson, man, has five home runs in the last two weeks. The average isn't quite there. He's only hitting 205, but you'll take it with that power search. He's got a WRC plus of 125 during that period. Keep it up, boys.
1: Yeah, it's it's been pretty good. They're not quite they're, they're not quite where they were before, you know, when they were uh, on their big winning streak and everything, but though no, they 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 got the job done. It, New York was a little disappointing to me. Only eight runs were scored in that series. So that kind of tampers things a little bit. The the person I'm most interested in right now, a Suzuki, cuz if he, that's almost like a trade acquisition. If he starts doing good, you know, like because he hasn't yeah. been good. And so we we've been looking for that production all year. And if we get it, then um Ian
0: Hap too, out. man. Both of those corner outfield spots could be producing quite a bit more than they have been. And and no shade to Hap, who I love, but he has not been all-star gold glove Ian Hap this season. He's Mm-mm. been, you know, back to normal Ian Hap. Um, so, you know, both of those guys, they step it up a little bit. You could, you could see this team go on a little bit of a run. Interestingly, those numbers I just read off are inclusive of the Met series. So that bad play is like in there with the good play, which, which tells you that this team's been on a little bit of a role. The Chicago White Sox are not on much of a role. They only have three hot hitters at the moment. None of them are quite as hot as the guys I just mentioned for the Cubs, Luis Robert uh, 296, 367, 630 with a WRC plus of 170. Elvis Andrews, 333, 333, 538 with a WRC plus of 137. And Andrew Vaughn just makes the cut on this list with a 318, 318, 477 slash line and WRC plus of 117. Those are the hot hitters on the White Sox. They are the only hot hitters on the White Sox at this moment in time.
1: Yeah. Well, they haven't been good all year. I mean, this is one of the worst offenses in the major leagues. They've really underperformed uh, people's expectations for them. And, um, you know, just dude after dude has been a a failure. You you love to see it.
0: Let's talk about some cold hitters on the White Sox and the Cubs. Um, I'm just going to do the WRC pluses for this White Sox list because it's long and I just I can't do all of the slash lines here. I might do the slash line for Aloy Jimenez, who has always really liked the Crosstown Classic, but we'll get to him in a second. Yoan Moncada has a WRC plus of 81. Oscar Colas has a WRC plus of 83. These are all over the last two weeks, by the way, and he had to have at least 20 plate appearances to qualify. Gavin Sheets is at 73. Tim Anderson is at 44. Trace Thompson is at 45. Yasmani Grandal is at 48. Aloy Jimenez is at 49. He has been quiet as of late, and I hope the Cubs can keep him that way. 225, 256, 300. Somebody named Zach Rummelard. I didn't know that was a Major League Baseball player, has a WRC plus of negative 40. And Andrew Benintendi, the largest contract in the history of the Chicago White Sox, has a WRC plus of eight over the last two weeks. Yikes.
1: Yeah, they stink. They have the third worst OPS. I'm looking at it right now. Um, and that's in with that's come the third worst OPS in the last month. These are the last month. Uh, they they don't hit home runs, they don't walk, they don't sh- they strike out about an average amount of time. They um they've scored the eighth fewest runs. Like there's this is not a good team. We should beat them. They have no hot hitters. They've got lots of terrible hitters, and unfortunately, it's the freaking crosstown classic, and the guys we're throwing out there have gotten lit up by the White Sox numerous times for no reason. That's good. And um, I don't know. I'm nervous as hell, Sarah, because these g- games matter for us. And this is the White Sox World Series. So like, that's right. That's exactly.
0: Know, that's a great way to put it. <laughs>
1: and, uh, you know, we got to avenge my guy at, for his beat down at <laughs> in the South. Oh, side, God. So. I
0: Danny, I have a question for you, because I'm, I'm really debating this. Are you going to these games? Are you going tonight and tomorrow? I don't have tickets at the moment. I'm considering getting a ticket for one of these games. I, I try never to miss a Hendrix start, and I just – I don't know, man. I, I don't want to be in a, like – I don't want to be in a crowd where there's going to be fist fights and whatnot, and where I have to worry about what shoes I wear because somebody's going to spill beer on them.
1: Or throw up. Uh, yeah, I, I can't go, so to either one of these games. I'm starting to get busy at the theater, and so I cannot go to either one of these these games um but yeah I don't think I want to go to the game either because you're right I mean these places it's gotten violent there um you know a lot of drinking those beer bats are flowing and you know the bros are out there just you know they're showing up to fight
0: they are I the last couple of times and I've been to crosstown games on both the north side and the south side it, it happens in both places so I'm not there's no shade to either park but it's like I don't know, man. Every time I'm at those games, it feels like things are good-natured until about the fourth or fifth inning. And then it doesn't even matter which team is winning. Like, stuff just gets surly really fast. It's like Like being in a terrible... It's like being in your favorite bar on the night where the worst people show up and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to be here anymore. And I I don't want to go to Wrigley Field just to want to leave in the sixth inning, regardless of what's happening in the baseball game, because the people around me have started acting like drunken children. Yeah. Yeah. Not that children should get drunk. Your children should not get drunk. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you know, like when you're a teenager and you, you, you're like in over your head and you start making very foolhardy decisions.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't been fun, especially like out in the bleachers. it will be a little bit more live out there. And, uh, yeah, no, it's I will not, not
0: be in the bleachers. <laughs> yeah.
1: That, that is not the place to be if you're not looking for a fight, but you know, maybe I'll release my song. I'll, I'll put out the video today to remind everybody no fighting in the bleachers. Uh, Take no fighting. Outside. No fighting in the bleach. Take it outside. And, you know, that was a Cub fan on Cub fan violence that made that I song was. happen. So.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I don't even know if the White Sox were involved in that. No, like, no. That, just, I think we that played... just might have been Cubs fans getting too drunk in the bleachers. No, we, lo- um, we,
1: we lost to the Pirates that night. <laughs> in fact, I remember <laughs> it well.
0: A couple of guys who need to step up for the Chicago Cubs who are on the cold hitter side of things. Christopher Morrell has been struggling as of late, uh, the last couple of weeks. His strikeout rate is up to 37.5. Percent part of that is called strikeouts, which is a new thing for Christopher Morrell. Like he's not swinging at everything in the world, but he's getting some called strikes that are questionable. I think this might correct itself, but we'll see what happens. He's got a WRC plus of 65 despite having two home runs during that time period. Nikki Five Steps has a WRC plus of 48, uh, and no home runs and no, I mean, no power really at all. Mm-hmm. And on base percentage of 273 during the last couple of weeks, and John Gomes, who okay. The bros in my mentions who want to talk about how Jan Gomes is better than Wilson Contreras need to learn a thing or two about stats because Wilson Contreras is better at all of the measurable categories of baseball than Jan Gomes. And then they all revert to, yes, but it's the game planning and it's the pitch calling and it's all the things that you can't measure. And I I just want to be like, you cannot come into my mentions with a Jan Gomes over Wilson Contreras argument that you cannot prove and then rely on a bunch of soft stuff. But anyway, Jan Gomes has a WRC plus, of one over the last two weeks. Yes, people won. Uh, he is slashing 138, 161, 241 during that time period. He is 99% worse than league average at driving in runs.
1: Yeah, he started out great, but, you know, at this point, I I really do wish it was Amaya getting most of the starts, just, uh, A, to give him the experience, but also because I feel like yeah, the summer of Jan Gomes, might be over. I mean, we're talking about an old catcher here, you know, it's August 15th. He's been out there a lot, you know, uh, let the man do have time and Tucker Barnhart, you know, he's still apparently on this team. Like, do I want him out there? Absolutely not. But he doesn't play anymore, which is fine. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we need our best night out there. I don't know if Jan Gomes is one of them, but he certainly did, did have a good year. Can I give you a weird magical stat that I found the other day when I was looking up some things? Please let's close the show on a weird madrigal stat. Versus lefties this year. Madrigal has a two eighty eight OBP.
0: And yet he starts against lefties.
1: That's he's part yeah. of
0: Ross's lefty lineup. I know. So that Mike Talkman can be on the bench.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's so uh, there's what your, are we, we even
0: doing here? Danny, help. I might I might go back and edit my story just to add that stat because it's ridiculous. <laughs> I I'm so over this hand like I understand handedness splits people. I, I know why they're supposed to exist and why you know people should be able to see the ball better, yada yada. And tech I'm I'm all for the analytics and the saber metrics. So when you look at the actual stats for your actual baseball team and none of them line up with the handedness stuff, stop putting your lefty light up out there. On getaway day. This is my plea to David Ross and the front office. We'll see if it works this week. Uh, Danny, when the Cubs play the White Sox, where can people find you in your take since you will not be at Wrigley Field?
1: Well, uh, I will be at the theater. So I don't think I'm even going to be tweeting that much. But if I do manage to get a tweet out, it's at sunranto on Twitter. Follow me there and everywhere.
0: Everywhere, do you want to miss Danny? Uh, He's got some great music out too. The Summer of Mike Topman is a is a great song that y'all should be listening to. And
1: there's a new one coming that's gonna blow people out of the water. It's I'm collaborating with my friend Joe, and it's gonna be oh, it's gonna be a whole video experience. Those of you that are a Patreon subscribers to Sunranto already know about it because
0: I already dropped the song there, but the video is coming. Ooh. So, go get on that Patreon, people. Uh, you can find me at BCB underscore Sarah on all of the socials except for Blue Sky, where I am BCB Sarah because they don't allow underscores in your handles. And, and Blue Sky is pretty cool. Uh, check it out if you are looking for an alternative to whatever they're doing at Twitter these days. You can find my writing at bleedcubbyblue.com. You can find everything from the show by following at Cuppa Blue. We tweet out all of the episodes and all of the stuff that we talk about there as well. Crosstown Classic O'Clock, we'll find out if the Cubs are able to hold on to some winning baseball ways and stay relevant in the playoff hunt with two games against the White Sox at Wrigley. Until next time.